Welcome aboard, Captain. back to Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze, discuss, and probe Star Trek IV The Voyage Home one minute at a time. I'm Chris LaSalle. And I'm David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Hey, Chris. Welcome back. It's Wednesday. It is. Are you sure about that? Pretty sure now. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been a little confused there in take one. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Uh, it's minute 38 of The Voyage Home. Uh, minute 38 starts with Spock emulating Linus in his blanket to make a headband. <laughs> and uh, ends a minute later with the Bird of Prey beginning its landing procedure. Yes, we're, we've almost touched down. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm a little, I was a little nervous about this minute because uh, there's not a lot going on. <laughs> No, uh, not really. I mean, uh, yeah, we were sort of talking offline about like the little that actually happens in this episode, right? Because the first thirty seconds are uh, Spock making a headband. Yes. Um, the, <laughs> la- the, la- the last minute ended with Kirk saying, uh, "You, you know, uh, no one's seen an extraterrestrial yet on Earth." Right. And so this is Spock's silent answer. He's just looking at it. Well, not even looking at it, but he's just ripping his robe apart. Yeah, Which, you know, uh, you know, if you look at this without the sound on and everything, like, what is he doing? Right. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't rip that from a different part of his robe. He's like reaching underneath, and uh, it's a little odd at first. So, uh, pretty much at second like twenty four is we see McCoy, and I have the exact same reaction <laughs> with the smile. He's, no, he like shakes his head, like and almost in oh, like, yeah, yeah. oh my, like he's just saying like, oh boy, <laughs> like all right, yeah, um, and Kirk is smiling, you know, so Spock is so charming, I love him, you know, that's what he's, that's the look he's got on his face, um, and there's no, uh, I mean that's it, right? Spock just puts it on and gives everybody a look, yeah, um, uh, Bond and McIntyre. Thank goodness. Gave us a little bit more to chew on in this scene. Uh, Spock does speak uh, in the novelization uh, after he puts on his headband. He says, oh, he does? I, okay, good. Yeah, he says, I believe that I may now pass among 20th century North Americans as a member of a foreign but not extraterrestrial country. Okay. Do we all need to figure out what nationality he's supposed to be portraying? I don't know. What would you say? <laughs> Huh. I, I don't. I, I honestly, and I, and I'm trying not to offend anyone, obviously, but I just, I, I don't know, like, what that's supposed to make him, what nationality is supposed to make him look like. Yeah, I mean, robes and well, I suppose a monk. Okay. Well, that's what that's what I figured. I figured yeah. he's supposed to look like some sort of like Tibetan monk or something. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's really the only thing I could I could think of. But he more like he more looks like a jazzercise Tibetan monk than anything else because that headband is ridiculous. Uh, uh, or a tennis player monk. Yes. Yeah. I like the jazz size though. That's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, so question is, you know, everybody's smiling, you know, they're 
charmed by his his answer there but we've seen spock having having in the original series when they've gone back in time sitting on the edge forever he had to wear a hat the whole time yep. this is not this is not uh he's done this before he's worn hats he's more like different types of hats um so i don't know are we supposed to be uh are we supposed to laugh at this is this is this, is this a joke for the audience i think it's supposed to be funny yeah. I think I think it's supposed to be funny because I think Kirk and McCoy both give those smiles and sort of shakes of the head, and we're, we're all supposed to go, "Oh, Spock," <laughs> you know, like, "Oh, come on, you," for being funny without trying to be funny. Right. I suppose the funniest thing for me is just the face he makes when he's done. Like, it's like there, see. Yeah, it, that's well, the thing now. that gets me is at the end is like he puts it on, he looks at Kirk, and then he sort of looks down at McCoy, and he's like, mm-hmm, see? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, all right. Um, I, all right, and that's the minute. <laughs> and we're done. And we're done. Uh, but no, now we get the uh, Kirk goes into full-on, I guess, admiral mode, right? Or mission Yeah, mission mission mode, mission mode yep. So everyone gets a Chekhov is issuing phasers and communicators to each team. The teams were decided last minute, right? Yep. Um, the, On the spur of the moment by yes. Kirk. Right, spur of the moment with no planning. Yep. Um, maintain radio silence except in emergencies. That seems a little ominous, silly to me. I don't know. Ominous, yeah, I suppose that too. But I mean, Foreshadowing, perhaps? Foreshadowing, I guess. Because I'm like, why? Why maintain radio silence? Um do you think that? Do you think? Yeah. Do you think twentieth century technology can intercept their radio signals? Well, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, could a could a you know a cop uh, hear them talking on their communicators at the same frequency as a police band? Right. Yeah. Breaker one nine. Breaker one nine. This is Captain Kirk. <laughs> Big Jim Kirk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, those of you in uniform, remove your rank insignia. Um, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, in the in in the novel, um, he he actually says, uh, "Scotty and Uhura, better get rid of your uniform insignia." So he calls them out. Well, they are yeah, they are technically the only ones wearing uniforms, right? Um, Uhura does it. Do you know? Oh, go ahead. But I was just going to say, but does anyone really? Um, would anyone really know? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean. Like they're from the 23rd century, and the signias that they wear don't match anything in conventional military. Right. They don't look like Air Force or Army or. And I mean, I guess you could mistake, you know, seeing somebody and say in the, you know, the Monster Maroon, you could say, oh, that looks like a military-esque person, right? Maybe right. not from the United States. Um, you might scratch your head, but yeah, the insignias, like. I guess, yeah. They don't mean anything. Uh, I'd like Uhura, though. She rips it right off. Um, we get to see her like, yep, done. Yeah. <laughs> rips it off her wrist. No, doesn't even ask any questions. Doesn't look sad about it. It's gone. Yep. So okay. Um, all right, so... You almost want Kirk to turn around and be like, well, you did that pretty quick. <laughs> oh, you know why he probably doesn't say... Uh, Scotty isn't on the bridge at the moment, is he? No. Yeah. Well, that's, that was so. That was another question I had last minute. So he's going over all these plans, <laughs> and they're all there. And Scotty's down 
pr- presumably still staring at the dilithium crystals deteriorate. Does is is he patched into this? Like, is he is this like, you know, how they say like, uh, give me one one speaker or whatever, like on a submarine, so that he can talk to the entire ship. Right. Like, are we su- are we to assume that Scotty is hearing him right now? Um, uh, I'm gonna assume no. I think he's telling all these guys, and he's gonna have to repeat himself when he goes to see Scotty. Actually, Scotty. Yeah. Oh no, Scotty gets off the ship. Yeah, I was gonna say, doesn't he leave behind? But no, he's got his, his own adventure. Oh yeah, because he he's got his own adventure. He's that, got my favorite adventure, I think. Yes, he's yeah. got the best adventure ever. Yeah. Oh, you think that's the best adventure? Um, so who we got? So we got Chekhov. You know, who are having adventure? Yep. Uh, Which is the worst? Scotty and McCoy having it. Wait, who does who does Sulu go with? He goes with he goes with um, Sulu. Um, Sulu goes. Sulu goes with Sulu. Well, yeah. uh, Sulu goes with Scotty and McCoy. Oh, he does. Yeah, he's part of the building the the whale tank. Okay. Oh, that's right. Because he actually like doesn't he he was, he flies a helicopter. Yeah, he flies yeah. A helicopter. Okay. Jumping um, in. Then, Sorry. Sorry. And then Spock and Kirk are the whale team. Yeah. Whale team Bravo. Yeah. Whale team six. No. Um. Okay. So uh, here we go. Here's here's a I got a tidbit for you. Tidbit. Um, Kirk asks any questions, um, and there are no questions, right? Yep. But, and this is the first chance I think I've had a chance to quote from my Star Trek IV The Voyage Home official movie magazine. Oh, boy. Excellent. Yes. Um, Which has interviews with all the cast members, uh, or really bios. Um, But uh, uh, Walter Koenig uh, said that he wanted to say when... Shatner asked any questions. He wanted to say, Admiral, will there be enough time to visit Disneyland? Say that again? you got to repeat that. (laughs) Walter Koenig wanted to say, when Kirk said, are there any questions, he wanted to say, Admiral, will there be enough time to visit Disneyland? Okay, that's what I thought you said. (laughs) You were like, no, he didn't. Just uh-huh. want to clarify there that that's what he said. Now, if they had done that, and that would have been the best thing ever. <laughs> so that would be a that would be a thumbs up from you. Oh, thumbs up completely. Yes. So, so where this leads me to is, is, is Disney still around in the twenty third century? Ooh, um, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I would say yes because. Clearly, Disney, it, it does survive, you know, World War Three. Right. That's, that's probably the first thing, right? Did it survive World War Three? Mm-hmm. I believe that it could. Oh, I, totally. They all hide in Spaceship Earth. And they've just got all this cool technology there. Um, I don't know. I know you and I have talked about it at least offline, but I still wonder when I go to Disney World, how come there are no bugs at Disney World? What are they doing? That they're keeping all the bugs away. So they've got technology I don't have access to. Well, it's like, you know, the military kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, yes, I think the Disneys will survive World War Three. Yep. Which means they make it to, you know, the age of, of warp technology. Um, but yeah, are they still relevant in the 23rd century? Oh, definitely. Okay. I know you have a bias because you love Disney. Yeah. But I agree. I think it survived too. Um, so yeah, that'd be fun if uh, if uh, 
Chekhov had actually asked that question. That would have been cool. Okay, uh, so let me just I'm sorry, I'm just drifting off here, dreaming of Disney in the future. <laughs> how could it get any cooler? How could it, yeah, definitely, how could it get any cooler? Um, uh, for those of you who are not yet members of the Listener Federation on Facebook, we had a related conversation on there not too long ago where people were asking about, is science fiction still around in the 23rd century? I feel this kind of fits mm. in that same that same sure what, yeah what, what things of today in the what are we twenty teens is that was that what we call this time frame right yeah twenty teens what technology would survive another three hundred years no mm. two hundred years wait two hundred years three hundred years it's the twenty first century now two hundred years right um, so Disney yes science fiction probably. We should think about that. We should look for stuff in yeah. the 80s here to see what else survives. Right. All right. So no questions other than this hypothetical one from Chekhov. Which is a shame. Yeah. And then and then we get just full on. This is, feels like very Captain Kirk to me, not Admiral Kirk. You know, All right. Let's do our job and get out of here. Our own world is waiting for us to save it if we can. It's very, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, very, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, inspirational speech to me, and then uh, and then we get our lovely Star Trek. We love our details. Commence landing procedure. Yep. Aye, sir. Aye, sir. Love. Um, can't get enough of those details. <laughs> um, yeah, I got nothing else. I think the only thing, the only thing of interest I was, you know, looking at. Uh, <laughs> Did we talk about this on air? I'm tired of the bridge of the bird of prey. You've said that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I find it interesting that, that there's some the back of uh, Kirk's chair looks like it has a uh, an exhaust vent on it, which I found odd. Yeah, it's blown his uh, farts, uh, <laughs> so they don't stay in the chair. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, this interesting industrial design for the uh, for the bridge. Well, you got to remember that they retrofitted this from the original bridge, so this is all Vulcan technology. So, my guess is is that Vulcans just have a lot of. That's how they eject that smell because Chekhov has the same thing on the back of his chair. <laughs> um, I had one last note uh, for this minute. Um, okay. The the very last uh, shot of the minute is. Um, the skyline of San Francisco. Yes. And you get some engine noise and it sounds, looks and sounds exactly like if I were just on a plane approaching San Francisco. There's nothing. So I was, gonna, I was going to say that reminded me of one of the night scenes from the movie blue thunder. Oh, was that in San Francisco? I, that was in, Oh, was it in San Francisco or Los Angeles? Uh, I don't um, remember. But yeah, I totally but see that. It just totally reminds me of like we're inside Blue Thunder at night, like yep. taking a helicopter ride. It is a cool shot. It's a cool, I mean, um, the way the city's laid out and the lights are laid out. It's it's, right. it's kind of cool. It looks, uh, almost doesn't look like a city. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It mm. just doesn't, I'm not seeing the normal like grid of streets and stuff. The um, grid. The grid. Ooh. Wrong show. Is there yeah. a Tron minute? Um, I don't know. I don't know, be. but it should be. be awesome. Yeah. 
Um, should we, maybe we should reserve the rights to that one. Yeah, right. Uh, let me see. Is there a Tron Minute? There does not appear to be a Tron Minute. <laughs> oh, man, we call it greetings programs. It would be so much fun. Anyway. Do-do-do-do. All right, man. Uh, I have nothing else for this minute. There was uh, there was way too much uh, ripping of robes and putting on yes. headbands. Uh, there's only so much you can talk about. Uh, right. Uh, other than, you know, if I was ripping a piece of material out of my clothing, I would not have been so, as successful as he was. You got like a perfect strip of material, mm. right? It doesn't look ratty. Um, it's not like, you know, thinner on one end and wider on the other. He got it right down on a perfect line. Oh, yeah. He does. I mean, the perfection of Scott Spock just knows no bounds between being smartest man alive. Now he can rip strips perfectly from his robe. Yeah. And still look immaculate. Yep. All right, man. Shall we uh, wrap it up here then? And we shall wait for Friday. Yep. Uh, cool, cool. All right. Well, then, uh, folks, while you're waiting, um, if you haven't already, uh, we've got some merchandise that we're selling. Uh, if you head out to uh, StarTrekMinute.com and click on the merch link, uh, we've got all sorts of uh, fun designs, uh, T-shirts and stickers and iPhone cases and all sorts of whatnot. I don't know, purses, who knows, backpacks. Yep. Um, uh, you should definitely check it out. Uh, every every A little bit of every purchase goes back to, to the show, helps keep the lights on here at Star Trek Minute. Yep. So please and thank you. And uh, we'll be back again on Friday talking about Minute 39 of The Voyage Home here at Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye.